Great to be here. And this, this four-message thing is a sprint, too, man. I love it. Somebody bring me some food. So cool. Um, I, I cannot tell you. It's been such a great weekend. This has been like an all-star weekend for me, Super Bowl weekend for me. I got to speak at uh, Great Commission Ministries. It's a collegiate ministry. I got to speak to 500 college kids Friday night. And then I got to come here. And I, I'm not a big speaker. I'm a local pastor. I speak at Kensington. And so to get to do this and, and speak to those kids this weekend has just been, I mean, part of me just feels like, Lord, go ahead, just take me. I'm, I'm good. If I had this weekend, it's been great. And uh, just have had so much fun. The only thing, though, I just have one caveat. Dave, the contract I signed was, was $10,000 for three talks. <laughs> what, the fourth talk, do I get paid extra for this? Okay, good. Thanks a lot. And where is that check? I'm looking for that check. Real funny, yeah, yeah, <laughs> real funny. Yeah, thanks, okay. Um, I want to tell you this, that uh, Kensington's launched about 40 churches. We have uh, five campuses. Um, but I want to tell you, of all the churches we've launched, all the people that we've sent out, none gave me more joy or more sadness than you guys. Because lo- losing Dave and Susie and Eric and Paula from my daily life is one of the great sacrifices I've made in my adult life. I'm not kidding you. It just not to be with them, not to have uh, back at Kensington, Dave Nelson's laughter ringing through the halls. You know, there, there's, there are things you can't replace. And uh, this year watching Paula suffer and then finally die was, and have to watch that from a distance, was just terrible. And one, one of the things, and part of what I'm going to share today is part of the hope and and the riches and the gratitude that I want to hang on to that carry us through times like that. And so I, I, that's the part of what I want to share with you. So I'm just I'm so pumped. And uh, uh, this is the fourth service. It's like Kensington. You get the fourth service. It's like, watch out. Anything could happen. No, don't let that out of my mouth. You, know, you just get crazy. So uh, here's my question. How many of you have ever spent any time wishing for stuff, wishing you had stuff that you don't have? I need an honest vote, Okay. Uh, okay, you can keep voting if you want. How many of you have ever wished you had a billion dollars? I'm just going to tell you things I've wished for. Me too. Sometimes I wish the billion dollars for myself. Sometimes I wish it for our water projects in northwest Kenya with the Pocot tribe that we could solve the clean water problem for a million people there for le- way less than a billion. But we'd love to have that. Uh, how many of you sometimes, like me, in your life, have you just wished you had 100 bucks? Huh? <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, you know, hey, I don't need a billion, but 100 would be great. Um, you know, I've, I've had, uh, the last few years, I've I found myself wishing that I was 195 pounds and that my chest was bigger than my stomach. <laughs> there are a few days when I've looked in the mirror and thought hair would be nice. I mean, we wish for things that we can't have sometimes or that we don't have. And I've also wished a lot for, uh, wasted years. I've also... I know that sometime before I die, some of you, some of you are going to write my kids on this, but I, I wish one time on Father's Day that one of my kids would write me a card that would say, and, and, and not printed on a card, but actually handwritten, to say, you are the best father a kid could have ever had. Even if it wasn't true. <laughs> I would love to get that card. So what if everything you wish for could come true? Because sometimes it happens in my life. And what I'm going to share with you today is actually the reality of so much has come true. 
See, you need to understand, just because I don't want to forget it, you're a dream come true. When Dave and Susie and Eric and Paula came out here with Mike and Susie and the Bill, Bill and Rebecca, everybody, it was like, you, you are what we dreamed of, and you're awesome. I, I don't have a more favorite church in the whole world than you guys. Dave Nelson, years ago at starting, was a, was a dream come true, true, more than I could ask or imagine. Part of what God wants us to experience is that he wants us to understand this in our lives. 20 years ago was one of those times it became true for me. 1993, this coming summer, would be 20 years ago, my wife was pregnant with our fourth child and our first son. She was 38, and we had had an ultrasound because she was older, and they really insisted on it. We didn't do it with the girls because we just thought, what does it matter? We don't care. She said, well, it might help us, help us do better, you know, in case there's some kind of physical problem. So we did the ultrasound. We found out it was a boy. And that summer, a couple months before he was born, and he was kind of a miracle baby, and uh, uh, Paul had been on bed rest for four months in the middle of that because she, she couldn't hold on to him. Right after she was released from bed rest, we went over to uh, the west side of the state to see some friends, and we pulled up uh, in our smooth ride, 1980 Crown Victoria LTD, two-door. And we'd already lost the bumper. We'd had to bolt it back on, and honest. And as we hung out that day, this buddy over there, he's a guy that had become a friend after we'd started Kensington. And Kensington was going great guns, by the way. We... We, 93, remember that? Oh, my word. The Lord was blessing. It was unbelievable. It was just like here. And, but we, but it didn't mean we had any money. We didn't have any money. I had, we had one car that worked, and that was it. And he says to me, he says, what are you going to do when your son comes? And I'm like, uh, keep him? <laughs> you know? And I'm like, no. No, no. What are you going to, how, how are you going to travel? Where are you going to put him in the car? I'm like, well... Let's see, there's an empty space between me and Paula in the front seat. I guess that's where his car seat's going to go, and the three girls will be in the back. He says, that's not acceptable. That's not acceptable. We're at his summer cottage. And I'm thinking, acceptable? Um, I own a house, but the down payment was loaned to me by friends, so I actually have zero net worth in my house, and I don't have a savings account, but I do have $250 today in my checking account. So, Whatever. He says, I'll tell you what let's do. He goes, it's a Chrysler deal. Let's go, let's, go to the, let's go to the Holland Chrysler dealership. Let's just go look at minivans. It'll be fun. I'm thinking, like, fun for who? <laughs> he says, hey, hey Bree, let's bring Paula. He says, we'll have, we'll have uh, you know, the other adults can watch the kids, and we'll go over and look. So the three of us went over there. And when he got there, he totally ignored me. He's like, Paula, so what do you think? What, what, what do you like? How do you like the, what, you like the you know, bucket seats in the middle row, or do you like the bench, you know? And listen, 1993, and we're driving a two-door Crown Victoria. I've got chronic back pain. Someone's from leaning, putting the kids in the back. Oh, it's horrible. It's called a first-world problem. <clears throat> and so he goes, finally, we got down to what color do you like? Like blue or red or green, whatever. And Paul said, I really like that blue. It's kind of a metallic blue, 1993 metallic blue, really cool. He says, okay, that's cool. He says, all right, well, let's go back. We got, we got dinner ready. We're gonna, everybody's having pizza. So we got in the car to go back. He goes, hey, wait a second. So I, I need to run to the bathroom real quick. So he goes in, goes to the bathroom. He comes out, we drive back. Later dinner, after dinner that night, he goes, hey, I just wanted you to know I lied to you. He said, I, I told you I was going in to use the bathroom. I actually went in and bought that van for you this afternoon. It's a $25,000 van. So think about this. That was a hundred times 
Is that right? Yes, 100 times greater than my net worth. And all of a sudden, in one moment, he resolved my greatest worry, which was how do my wife and my four kids travel safely in a city that has no public transit. It's the worst city in the world unless you have a car. And, and for six years, he literally, in one moment, resolved everything, every worry I had about Paul and the kids was resolved in one evening. Now, let me ask you, what did I do to earn that? Nothing. I have never done one thing for this guy in my life, even to this day. He's one of, he's one of those guys you can't really do stuff for because he's, you know, he, he's amazing. He loves to give. He, he has a hard time receiving, but it was a picture of God's love and grace for me. And it took the toe. Now, I just want to say this. After that, and Dave Ramsey Financial Peace University and our kids going through college, we're right back where we started. We have a 2003 Saturn that has 210,000 miles on it. And our sweet car is a 97 Mercury Mystique. Check that out on Google. So, anyway, what God wants to say to you today is you're out there worried about your life. You're worried about your job, and you're worried about your health, and you're worried about your kids. You're worried about how you're going to travel. You're worried about, does anybody love or care for you? And God is saying, listen, I'm watching over you. And there's no greater verse to believe in his abundance and his wisdom and his joy and his leadership and his love over our life than Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 to 8. And I want to read it to you. And I just I laughed about this because when I was in high school, my pastor, when I was 17 years old, taught on this passage, these six verses for six months. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be better in, than him in 15 minutes. That's a joke. No. Ephesians 1, verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms. With, are you with me? If you're underlining, if you are... A, like a student, you're like, boy, what do I underline that's really important? This section, you underline everything. But underline this phrase. He's given you every spiritual blessing in Christ. doesn't matter if, you, if you're worth $100 million or you owe 50. It's incredible. It says, praise be to the God who's done this. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. Okay. Who is the one he loves? Who? Uh, That's both, but in this instance, it's Jesus. This is what he did. He accomplished this Through Jesus Christ, in him, verse 7, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. And I don't have the rest of this, but he did this all according to his pleasure. It's amazing. It's an amazing passage. Every part of this is like, wow, this would be like you're coming to my house on a really hot day in Salt Lake. Say, Steve, would you mind giving me a a glass of water? really thirsty, could really use a refreshing glass of water. I'm like, sure, come over here. Just so happen to have a fire hydrant in my front yard and the, and the wrench that opens it. Now, as a man, how cool would it be to have that wrench? You would feel like a man. Like, come over here. 
and you start to unloosen this baby, and then you say, hey, come here, just put your, put your mouth right here. And you finish it off, you pull it off, boom! That's what this passage is. This is a fire hydrant of water flowing into your life to a starving man or a, 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 a man or woman dying of thirst. It's incredible. Let me just focus on this. Everything you need, you have in Christ. You could be dying of cancer today. Everything you ultimately need for here and for eternity, you have in Christ. What Jesus Christ came to do, sent by the Father to die on the cross, to rise again from the dead, to conquer all of the demons of hell and Satan himself, and to bring us into a relationship back to the Father, you have everything you need. You might be facing foreclosure and getting kicked out of your house this week. You have everything you need. You're rich, not beyond belief, but beyond imagination. This is unreal. We're not paupers wishing for a new car and where where are we going to put the fourth kid or living disappointed lives. We've been invited to know who God is and we know him because Jesus Christ has revealed what God is like to us. And as Eric and Paula were going through that, and all of you that love them were going through this terrible time this last year, I thought this scripture says that there's nothing you face alone. You just hang on to that. You just cling to that like a person, you know, drowning in the ocean and a, you know, and a piece of wreckage comes by and you grab onto it with all your heart. This is the promise that Jesus loves you. Let me just give you three words from this passage. In verse 4, it's totally clear. I want you to do not leave here today. You don't have to believe me, but don't leave here today not knowing that God chose you. That from long before the world was made, he had you in mind. He wanted you. He longed for you to be on his team. Look at that. He chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. It doesn't say he chose us because we were holy and blameless. Listen, I don't look in the mirror every day and go, hey, Mr. Holy and Blameless. <laughs> Listen, I'm 56 years old. I got plenty of regrets and tons of mistakes and, 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 and millions of bad judgments. But Jesus Christ came to choose me to his family, and he came to choose you. First time I learned this, I was eight years old. Tried out for my church's little league baseball team, eight and nine year olds, and I got cut. They read the names out loud to all of us standing in a circle. The coach read all the names. And all the names, not of who didn't make it, but who made it. And I listened in vain for my name and was done. He's like, okay, thanks everybody for trying out. And practice for those of you who are on the team is next Tuesday at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And I turned and walked across the parking lot to the church. There's a baseball field in the back of the church. And I went in because my mom had not was late. I've had to be in counseling for her lateness. Uh, just kidding. Uh, and I went in, and this will date me. Took two dimes out of my pocket, put them in the vending machine for an ice-cold bottle of Sprite. For you kids that are younger, you'll never know the joy of a, a, a glass bottle of pop. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. I drank it, and I, I, I nursed it along like to last because I wanted to look like I was doing something before my mom came because I felt completely embarrassed and humiliated. I think it was 
one of the three most embarrassing moments of my life. You're not even good enough to make this team. You're not chosen. And I think it affected me for the rest of my life in a beautiful way. And that here's what I know. I, I don't, it doesn't matter who you are in this room. You can be the coolest dude or the most derelict. Everybody wants to be picked. Everybody wants to be, to hear somebody say, I choose you. We do that with our kids. We do that with each other. There's nothing like it. And Jesus Christ is saying here today, I hung on the cross so God the Father could say for all time, I choose you. It's amazing. It's absolutely awesome. There's a second word I want you to hear. Not only chosen, but adopted. Verses 5 and 6 say it this way, in love. He predestined us. He determined ahead of time for adoption to happen to us, to sonship, or if you were doing a more contemporary language version, or daughtership through Jesus Christ. His plan all along was to bring us into his family, no matter how far we had strayed, how rebellious we were, how dirty we were. And it says, this is my favorite part of the whole section, he did it in accordance with his pleasure and will. So here's the God of the universe And you think the God of the universe would have plenty to do. And here's what he says. He says, of all the things that I could think to do, nothing would be more fun than bringing you into my family. Like, hey, I could create a hundred worlds today and make a thousand new animal species. But you know what I'd most likely do? I'd most like to bring you into my family. I can't even get my head around that. Can you? Is it hard to believe? But that's what the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, is that his plan was to bring us into his family if we'd only come. This is the best thing that he could think of. And it's got a great illustration of this. Uh, many of you don't, don't know all of Dave, Dave's family. Dave has an oldest brother named Mark. And when we started Kensington, Dave and Mark and Dave Wilson and I started the church together with a handful of people. And Mark's an amazing guy. He's also insane. At age 49, he and Callie had four almost adult children. At age 49, they adopted a five-year-old girl from Flint who was abandoned by her family. That was five years ago. Two years ago, at age 52, his wife Callie, who's an amazing person, and actually was classmate of Dave's in high school. Dave knew Callie before Mark did. Callie comes to Mark and says, Mark, uh, at church today, I met, met uh, foster parents who had this cute, cute little two-year-old girl. She's a high-risk medical need. She, she was supposed to die. She was born without a pancreas. She's a type 1 diabetic, but she's so cute. And I'm just wondering if maybe God doesn't want her to bring us, bring her into our family. And Mark is a deeply spiritual man. I mean, he walks with God and listens to God. And he looked at Callie and he said, shut up, woman. He really did. It's a true story. Like, are you kidding me? I am 52 years old. We're never going to be able to retire, despite the incredible lucrative nature of church ministry. (laughs) And at 52 years old, you want me to adopt a high-risk medical child who was born alcohol and cocaine addicted? Yes. About six or eight months later, as they were getting ready to adopt her, they get a call. By the way, Jaden, she was four now, 
uh, has a little brother who's four months old, three months old. He was born alcohol and cocaine addicted, and he needs a home. So Mark, at 54 years of age, we, have, we share a birthday. I'm two years older than him. I'm, I'm, I look younger and better looking than him, but he's two years younger. He'll be, he's 44. He'll be 71 years of age when his son graduates from high school. How hilarious is that? And um, he's ha- his uh, Jordy, their oldest, is having their, their first grandchild next month. So he, he has a two-year-old son, and he'll have a, a newborn granddaughter. It's pretty awesome. But here's what happened last weekend. He and Callie shared the story, and we showed the story to all five of our campuses, and we kicked off a foster care adoption initiative. And uh, for those who signed up to, to, to work towards adoption or foster care or to help, within the system, or to mentor older foster care kids. Just because Mark and Callie shared their heart two weekends ago, over 1,000 families signed up to get involved with adoption and foster care. Is that not unbelievable? Now, here's the point. Here's the incredible point, because this K2 has had a culture of adoption and bringing people in. and love it's Just, I love you guys. But here's the amazing thing, is when you share God's heart, of how God really feels about us. It's the only thing that changes everything. It's His grace and His love and His mercy. He says, I choose you. I adopt you. And then the last one is, I forgive you. Verses 7 and 8. It says this, Jesus has bought us back. This is what redemption means. We have redemption through His blood. He bought us back at the greatest cost to Himself. And it was all in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Gosh, just the riches. In fact, it goes on to say that the riches that he lavished on us. Do you know what one of the dictionary definitions of lavish is? Wastefulness. God's love and grace is so incredible for us that it's just ridiculous. It is wasteful. If you were going to paint a, paint, paint a room in your house lavishly, how many coats of paint would you put on it? Ten. <laughs> That's what God does. God is nuts just like him. <sighs> Isn't that amazing? And as I thought about this elaborate and costly and unexpected and profuse love and forgiveness, I find it Unbelievable and unimaginable that Jesus would do this for you and me. I mean, just be honest. I know my heart. I know my tendency to run from God, to seek my own way. And you're just like me. His love reaches. His grace is more powerful than all the forces of darkness in this world. Let me finish with this. Our youngest kid, that boy who was inside Paula's womb 20 years ago this summer, is now a full-time missionary in New Zealand. I, I mentioned this at one other service. But our, uh, we aren't empty nest technically because our third daughter graduated from college, and then she was a full-time missionary in South Africa to the Zulu people for a year. And she's back uh, doing an online Masters of Justice and Mission through Denver Seminary. She's going to move out to Denver next year, but 
she's living at home this year with us, so that's really fun. I just want to, I just want to talk, are we t- t- talk about riches. I am the richest man in the world. I, I just defy, I, I like, come on, we'll bring it out. Let's measure it. My daughter, by the ninth month in South Africa, north of Durban, working in the township of Essequini, was teaching 10 different high school Bible studies in the Zulu language. So anybody, anybody can top that? I mean, that is awesome. I am so proud. It's ridiculous and obnoxious. And my son is, is uh, full-time with YWAM. He's having an incredible experience. It, but it's very hard. Um, <clears throat> haven't cried yet? Really lonely for me. Because not only was he my youngest son, but he was, he was the only one of my four kids that thought I was cool. <laughs> and, uh, and he's gone. I don't, I, can't, I don't get to talk to him. I mean, Skype maybe once every couple months. And I really love him. He's a great guy. He's a great friend. He reminds me of my father. I think that's other reason, you know, that's hard not to hear from him. But so they're doing great. But the house is kind of lonely. So we just did what other insane people that are kind of on the verge of emptiness did. We went out and got George. So <laughs> what a mistake that was. <laughs> Man, puppy is like more work than anything. Are you kidding me? So the week that we got George, we named him George because our first dog is Lewis. So we have George and Lewis. But Lewis we share with our daughter. One of our daughter, Two of our daughters are married, and, and it was really her, her dog. So when she got married two years ago, she took Lewis with her, and we kind of traded him back and forth. But his real, his real name is C.S. Lewis. And so this is George McDonald. George MacDonald was the writer in the 1800s whose writings were very influential in leading C.S. Lewis to Christ later on in the 20th century. And so we thought that would be fun. So friends brought over as a joke a George MacDonald book. It's kind of a baby, baby warming gift or whatever you call it, you know, baby shower for George. It's ridiculous, isn't it? And so they thought it was a joke. But Paul and I have read a lot of George MacDonald. He's a very prolific author, wrote I think 150 novels, and mo- some of them have been kind of translated in new- newer modern English. You could find them and read them. They're great. They're all about the Father heart of God, by the way. Anyway, this was a book, a little booklet of 365 days of prayers. It's called Diary. You should go buy it. Re- just a paragraph each day. Diary of an Old Soul. I he didn't come up with the title, but it was, it was, it was a collection of his prayers. And I just thought, oh, it's so funny. I- I'll go back and read some McDonald. Sometime this fall, I came across this prayer, and it's haunted me to my core, and I want to finish today's message with it. I want you to feel it with me in your heart, because it's haunted me, and this is how it goes. So imagine him writing this in 1870s Scotland. No electricity, no paved roads. Roads would have been dirty, grimy, rutted, and all the sewage that people eliminated from their houses... How did, where did it go? Into the streets. Just throw it right out the windows, and it would flow down the sides of the streets in little gutters, little streams. People died of sicknesses constantly, disease, typhoid was ever-present. And this is George's prayer. I see a little child whose eager hands search the thick stream that drains the crowded street. He searches for possible things hidden in its slow current. You get the image? Are you with me? He's playing 
in the sewage. He's looking for something that maybe he can barter or trade or sell for a piece of bread. He's undoubtedly an orphan. And he's eagerly searching in the refuse. But nearby, behind him, a great palace stands behind him. A place where kings might welcome nobles to their feet. A place of soft sounds and sweet smells and beautiful sights. That's all there is there. And there the child's father lives. But the child does not know. Do you realize that's how almost everybody in the world is living? I mean, what have you gone to the sewer for? You know, the the obvious destructive things, drugs and alcohol, illicit promiscuous sex. What about greed? What about you've gone to the the sides of the street for your self-esteem or your popularity or your success or your sense of self-worth? What... We've all looked for a million things there. And all along, the Father has built a palace for you and longs for you to come if you'd only come. This is how the prayer finishes. He says, get up, eager, hungry, busy, seeking child. Rise up and turn around and run up, run up the stair. Because far in the chamber, from all the noise of the streets, your father sits and he ponders how you're doing. Like of all the things that the king would be thinking about, nobody in a million years would think, well, the king is thinking about that orphan kid digging in the sewage. But that's what he's thinking about. He's thinking about me and he's thinking about you. Isn't this incredible? And says, there he waits to clasp you to his breast, to kiss you, and to stroke the tangles of your hair. You imagine the king in his beautiful, perfect robes, and you come in and you've got animal and human feces caked all over you. It's been weeks or months since you had a bath, and your hair is tangled to the point it's just one mass of crud. And your king father is so happy for you to come that he wraps you in his arms. That's what God wants. That's his dream for every one of us. And today as we finish this service, you've already tasted God's love through the bread and the cup, haven't you? And I thought today, wouldn't it be wonderful as we get ready to sing this last song or unless Dave wants to do something different for you during the singing of this song where we're going to be singing, God is able, God can be trusted. We're during the course of this song you say to Jesus Christ, I'm no longer going to simply know that you did this for me. I am going to acknowledge it to you. I'm going to thank you for coming as my King and Savior, for choosing me, adopting me, forgiving me, and I'm going to consciously give my life over to you today. Some of you have never done that. How how would it ever be a better day to do that than today? If you do that, come on up afterwards and talk to me and share that with me or share it with Dave or with any, any of our team. But God loves you in such an unbelievable, unimaginable 
way. Amen.